Iced tea. Go a cappella. Now I'm on the West Coast, relaxing and chill, living on the mead streets of Beverly Hill. I have I love I, it. You way better than a lot of rappers that are making yes. records right now. She is Olivia Munn. Drop my name as much as you can. By the way, I am a first-class name dropper. The great, legendary John Madden. And then on the phone, Steve Marriott. She's- <laughs> I, mean, I mean, that's the thing. You watch a guy. Uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Who is that? Mooch, how did you sniff that out so quickly? I sniffed that out. I sniffed that out. I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen Podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast. We are 10 weeks and one tie into the National Football League 2012 regular season. We have now seen it all as um, as we get set for week number 11, kicking off, as always, on Thursday Night Football, the Dolphins at the Bills in Ralph Wilson Stadium on NFL Network on Thursday night as we are getting um, deeper and deeper into the season. Teams getting more and more desperate. The game's getting more and more intense. It is fun to watch. Chris Law, good to be with you here on the podcast. Rich, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure. My dot-com side producer and my television producer. Chris Brockman. Rich, how you doing, buddy? You getting set to work? I'll tell Chris, you what, I'm really I'm really excited to have something to do now. I've just been ri- I've been like I said, I've been riding the coattails for a few weeks. You have and 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 we've got uh, all of our Thanksgiving uh, special interviews to tape over the next week or so as the Friday after Thanksgiving on NFL Network at 10 p.m. Eastern Time, Friday night of Thanksgiving weekend, we've got the uh, podcast oh, we're not, I, it's the Thanksgiving special. It's the Rich Eisen Thanksgiving special. Thanksgiving special. That's what we're going to call it. Uh, Bradley Cooper and Chris Tucker of Silver Linings Playbook will be here. Brockman and I saw the movie. Very good, by the way. Two thumbs up. Or the two of you together, that would be four thumbs thumbs up. up. And not just because it's loaded with Eagles paraphernalia for, for law. Does okay. take, he, does, actually, he, does actually, take place, he actually liked the movie. Takes place in the city of brotherly love. There so. you go. We also have Rayan Wilson of The Office. We also have um, John Slattery of Mad Men oh, in his wait. new film that you have seen as well, Chris Law, correct? Yes, In Our Nature. with um, He's got Jenna Malone. Uh, Matty Saracen from Friday Night Lights is in it. Zach Guilford is his real name. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but QB, QB1. QB1, yes. Okay. Uh, John Slattery, very excited to uh, chat with him. He did the voiceover of the Green Bay uh, Packers America's Game, the most recent one uh, for the Packers. So uh, John Slattery will be in, and Eric Stone Street of uh, Modern Family, and uh, Jim Brockmar, the legend of the booth, okay, is wait. also returning. And we're still efforting some more guests. And so Brockman, you're going to have to you're going to be spending a lot of time in the edit bay. But I that's good. I can't wait. You're back. You're back in the mix. I'm back in the mix. It's back you in know, the saddle. You know who's also back in the mix? The New Orleans Saints are back in the mix at yeah. four and five. Yeah, they are. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys are in the mix at four and five. Isn't it interesting that you take a look at four and five teams like the Cincinnati Bengals are four and five? That feels good for the Bengals. Certainly, the Saints, who started zero and four, they're four and five. The Cowboys are their backs against the wall at three and five. They certainly are in better position than the Philadelphia Eagles, who are now at three and six. They're now four and five. Dallas, and then you take a look at four and five. Uh, Miami, not so good when you were four and three. You take a look at four and five. Arizona coming off a bye, having been four and zero at one point, and then you take a look at four and five. San Diego, which just lost in Tampa. Um, and it just it, you look at teams with the same record, and some teams feel great about it, and other teams most certainly do not. And it all depends on how uh, the the arrow is trending 
in the National Football League with these teams. I mean, the Cincinnati Bengals beating the Giants this week was the shocker of 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 week uh, of no, week ten. No question. Unless, uh, unless you listen to this podcast and one certain guy's opinion last week on that game. And who is that? I believe that uh, Chris Law, maybe his name. Said what? That the Bengals were going to beat the Giants. I said I, I I called. I did also say that the Eagles were going to beat the Saints, and then the and then the Cowboys. So you know you got to take the well. Good yeah, with the you, bad. Did, you, you did have Philadelphia finish, finishing with a ten win season, <laughs> which is the only way that happens if they win their final seven, most likely with Nick Foles at the controls. Yeah. Um, certainly this week for the Philadelphia Eagles, who are. Um, Going to really? be in Washington taking on RG3, coming off a bye, and um, they are reeling. The Eagles are reeling at 3-6, and six, but you take, again, the, the, the Bengals win over the Giants. It's, it's remarkable how the Giants every single year have a trough moment. It's unbelievable that they start 6-2, and two, and now they're 6-4, and four, and uh, the Cowboys at 4-5, uh, they play Cincinnati, they play Cleveland this week at home. Where in previous years, as they hit their their annual November trough, everyone could be talking about how poorly the Giants are playing and how Coughlin could be shown the door. But he now has two rings in seasons in which the trough took place, um, and and wound up with him hoisting Lombardi. So that said, when you're in the middle of the trough, though, you can't say, "Hey, we're going to come out of the bye week." And see Green Bay in our house on Sunday Night Football and beat them. They go to seven and four. They could easily be six and five. Yep, with three straight losses. And again, the Cowboys play Cleveland this week at home. That puts them at five and five, one game behind the Giants with the NFC East flat out up for grabs over the remaining six games of the season. Because while the Giants are taking on Green Bay in Week Twelve, Dallas is at home again on Thanksgiving. And you know the team that plays uh, on the road on a short week, as we've seen on Thursday Night Football, frequently has problems doing it. And RG3 might be able to overcome that stuff, but Washington and Dallas becomes a monster Week 12 game. What do you make of Eli's struggles? Do you think it's tired arm, or what's the deal with Eli? I don't know, Matt. I I always listen to what my analysts say on, on game day morning. And Phil Simms can, you know, say, as he said on Tuesday, that Eli is not elite. Now, that would have been great for him to say coming into the season. That's when you can sit there and say, oh, okay, that's quite a take. But now two weeks after Eli has you know, looked horrible and played poorly, and people are talking, as you mentioned, Brockman, that he's got a weak arm. I mean, uh, you know, uh, that, that's an ill-timed comment in my mind from Phil Simms. He could say whatever he wants. But, um, you know, that, the time to say something like that was back in August right. when, he, when he, like everyone else, was – singing Eli's praises, talking about how he's a Hall of Famer. But he did make the odd caveat before his statement that Eli's not elite in the league as a type of guy that puts the game on his shoulders. He did make the odd caveat of that he's probably going to go to the Hall of Fame. So so I don't know what what Phil's point is, but that said. But certainly something is wrong with Eli. It's very obvious. Kurt Warner says what is wrong with Eli Manning is that Hakeem Nix is not healthy and that they have no threat outside the numbers because Mario Manningham's not there. And in recent years, when Hakeem Nix has been hurt, at least Mario Manningham was the guy outside the numbers that you had to respect, putting Victor Cruz in the position of being the most dangerous, uh, in, the, in, in the most dangerous position, which is being the slot receiver. And with Nix not being a threat, and Hickson not really being the type of receiver that Manningham was in terms of being outside the numbers and creating some problems, the entire offense has been thrown off kilter. And at the same time, Bradshaw's been hurt running 
uh, injured. So if they come back from the bye and Knicks is somehow back to himself and Bradshaw's back to himself, I think you'll see Eli, as a result, be back to himself too. I, I think at least that's what Giants fans should hope, that this bye week would be, would be quality for that. And that if he does have a tired arm, I mean, I, I mean okay, he's, he's played many NFL seasons before and not had a tired arm in week 10. I, I, don't, I don't buy that. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, uh, that's what Kurt Warner says. That's his assessment of it. He watches more film than anyone else that I know. And that made a lot of sense because, again, the Giants just had problems. And, hey, guess what? A.J. Green uh, certainly walked the walk because he found some holes in the defense that he said had holes. Yeah, he did. He certainly found it. He certainly found those holes. So the Giants, as a, as a whole, are uh, slumping. And we've seen it before. We've seen it before, but coming out of that slump after a bye is Green Bay. And then they look uh, great. And then after that, the Giants are at Washington on Monday night of Week 13, because we're now at the part of the season where you could just start reading off the rest of the schedule and see what's what. Then the Saints are at the Giants Week 14, and then Week number 15, the Giants are at Atlanta, and then Week number 16, the Giants are at Baltimore, Ooh. and Week 17, yes. the Giants finish at home against Philadelphia. Wow! You take a look at that. Uh, it's pretty brutal. That they, they they best rest up. Get get your sleep. Does that mean Dallas sleep. can sneak in and steal this? Well, I mean, we got Demarcus Ware on the horn on this podcast. Um, I don't think we're gonna. You know, if you ask that question to somebody, do you think you're gonna take it? I mean, what? You know, right? Of course, the, you'll get the one game at a time answer. Sure. Yep. Um, but it's certainly but, set up for them. But Dallas is. It is set up for them. But we see that every year in November from them. Yeah. Right. Right. It's. It. it you know. It's Romovember. Right. Every. Every. Every November. And I know they lost their first game of the month uh, when when Dallas took one on the chin um, back in week number nine uh, in Atlanta. But they just won. They looked. They looked pretty darn good. And they're winning without their running back. They're starting they winning. They, uh, when he comes back, I'm telling you, we talked about it on game day morning, up, down, left, and right, that what are they missing on offense, creativity, or is it chemistry? And Irvin said it was neither. It was connectivity, that there's no connection between the players and the playbook and where they got to be, and sometimes there's no, there's no connectivity between the players themselves. And I even tweeted it out at one point uh, during their, their win over Philadelphia. It seems to me that Romo leads the league in having to tell their, his receivers where they should have been. Hmm. You know, he's always, after a play, seemingly going up to him like saying, go over here, or even pre-snap. They're sort of like walking around, and he's shoving them in a direction. It's, it's, that's the connectivity that, that Irvin's talking about. To me, what they are missing is a will-imposing running back that they can ride 20, 25 times a game and take the burden off of Romo. Ride this guy. Impose your will. The defense clearly feeds off of that. That defense is a stout defense. They've got an animal of a defensive coordinator. They've got DeMarcus Ware. They've got Bruce Carter, who is running sideline to sideline like nobody else in the NFL right now. And then the defensive uh, backfield is, is no slouch at all. You know, Claiborne is playing a little bit like a rookie. People are wondering if he's at a rookie wall right now. But um, the Cowboys have it set up for them. They've got Cleveland at home. Then they've got Washington at home on Thanksgiving on a short week. And then Dallas has one more home game again, the Sunday night game, Philadelphia-Dallas, and I doubt NBC is going to flex out of that one. I doubt NBC is going to flex out of that one. 
So I think that's going to be the finale on Sunday night when when Philly, you're a a uh, law. Yeah, your your guys your guys going to eat it at this point in time. I I I don't see it middle of the season though. There's no reason to fire him in late November. You just ride it out. Poor Andy Reid's going to have to hear it. You know, the headline of the uh, I guess the Philadelphia Daily News, the back page. Did you see that one, Chris? I missed it. No, it was because you know Andy Reid always says the same thing. Right. Which yeah. I got to do a better job. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so they put that. Uh, they had a shot of him walking off the field with his, you know, state trooper to to his to his right and some other assistant to his left. And the headline said, "I got to do a better job." And then crossed out the word uh, "do" and put the word "find." <laughs> you know, that's very funny. And, and so um, I saw the post. It is something similar with Rex Ryan. I didn't see the Andy Reid one though. Man, no love so, lost there. You know, it's one of those things where, um, damn, you know, he, he, I don't think he's going to get, get, get the ax during the season. It makes no sense, but it's, it's played. I think the fans are, have gotten Andy Reid fatigue. Um, as you could see by that headline, they're now, they're now regurgitating his line, his rote line of, I got to do a better job. We've got to do a better job. Yeah. And I, I imagine if you had a quiet moment with Andy Reid, I, I think he probably has Philly fatigue. And if he could, you know, say, find a spot where he's worked with somebody before looking for a coach who has personnel decisions placed in his contract, he's got one in Joe Banner sitting there in Cleveland. Yeah. You think he would go right into another job or would you I, think he would take some time? I, I, I don't know. I mean, I guess we're I speculating about speculations. Have, of course, sure. We're speculating sure. about a man's personal decisions when, <laughs> yeah. you know, I have no idea what he would want to do. He just seems like a guy who's tired and kind of needs some time off. Well, I mean, Vic is tired, too. I mean, it's the whole thing's tired. The whole thing. You know, and Vic just gets beat up. And it just seemed to me that they just – I even tweeted this out during the game. And, like, I need to check the rule book. Is there – are the Eagles not allowed to give LaShawn McCoy the ball twice in a row? Yeah, I had a response <laughs> tweeted up for you, but I just – it wasn't coming out right. But it was, like, Article 3, Section 2 says no. Maybe. I mean, because he runs it for six yards, right? Now you're on schedule at second and four. Give it to him again. Maybe he gets on a roll, and he gets rolling, and you get to you have an eight-play drive where he touches it five, six times, and, and Vic can stay healthy. And everyone, I mean, but give it to him again. Instead, it would be Vic rolling out and throwing incomplete, or Vic getting hit or hurried because somebody on that horrible offensive line is blowing an assignment. You know, and then it just it it just snowballs. And Foles came in and gave a gave everybody a a, a lift, you know, a breath of fresh air type lift. But, you know, he's still well, a rookie, man. Well, well, he's, it's his first foray into the NFL. And to think that he was going to – I mean, they did they did tie the game. But then it all went downhill from there. And then Philadelphia, you know, as I mentioned, Philly this week's at Washington. And yep. then they have the Monday night finale of Thanksgiving weekend. They've got Carolina in their house. And I could absolutely see Cam Newton under the Monday night lights taking care of business there. I mean, they, they should – Philadelphia should win that game. Then Philadelphia's at Dallas – Week 14, Philly is now at Tampa, where my coach of the year candidate keeps winning, by the way. They're 5-4. and four. Um, Week number 15, uh, Philadelphia is the Thursday night game. That's our Thursday night finale. Cincinnati at Philly. That'll be a big game for Cincinnati, I, I, I feel. And uh, Philadelphia then is uh, home for RG3 and then finishing up the season at the Giants, where I think that'll be it for Andy Reid. I really, I really firmly believe that. I firmly believe that as we currently sit here for week number 11. Yeah. Um, uh, and and um, 
suddenly the reason why I think that'll be a big game for for Cincinnati is now you got to wonder about the Steelers season. Big Ben, you got to wonder about the Steelers season right now. By the way, I uh, in my fantasy just you know again to talk about my bad beats. Of course, you know this is again it's sort of like the 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 poker players lament uh, bad beats and. Um, uh, I needed a 28-point night from Big Ben. Which is asking a lot to begin with. It is. It is. But if, in, my, in my league, there's a five-point bonus for 300-yard threshold. Oh, that's huge. Oh, great. So, um, at any rate, what I didn't see was a uh, catastrophic injury, potentially, um, and him playing half of, of the game. Didn't see that one coming. But you knew when he didn't come out of the locker room that there was trouble. Yeah, you tweeted out something how you had seen Ben come back well, before. The, the so Thursday he, night game last year. Right, so he really everybody, must have been hurt. He shot up his high. He played with a high ankle sprain. Yeah, that was when uh, Scott Paxson got him. And, man. He got high low at anything. Cleveland, right? Dude, yeah. he played with a high ankle sprain. In the same game, he didn't miss a snap. It's insane. And so the, when he didn't come out, I'm like, uh-oh. This is serious. Now, Leftwich, I mean, he's such a good guy, and I know you know a lot of fans may not want to hear it, but he deserves a shot, and you never know. You do never know. The defense, if they can run the ball and he can play um, you know, in a, in a similar manner as he did early in his career, you never know. Doesn't it seem you like it was know. 1989 when Charlie Batch was the quarterback of the Lions? <laughs> <laughs> he's still in the league. Well, I mean, he's going to be active now. I know Garrard is tweeting out that he's feeling healthy, and I don't think there's any um, – coincidence that that uh he's you know he's uh you know jay glazer's reporting that and he's letting people know that he's healthy right now i would like uh, to go on record rich and let people know that i'm also healthy yeah uh, you know what maybe so but may you know steelers you know maybe can give him a ring I, I i bottom line is this you can't count the steelers out but there are the bengals sitting there at four and five and they've got a ton of division games left yep um cincinnati this week is home for oakland and Oakland just got smoked again in the Eastern time zone. They just cannot play well in the Eastern time zone. They go home. Uh, I'm sorry, actually, Cincinnati this week, my bad. Uh, Cincinnati this week is, um, uh, where are they here? Why can't I see them on my schedule right here? Cincinnati is at Kansas City. And we just saw Kansas City just can't win for losing. They had their first lead of the season. And in that, and in that uh, spot, too, we should also mention on this podcast is Jason Whitlock. Who yes. spent many years in Kansas City, and uh, I can't wait to hear his take. I think I know his take. Just follow <laughs> his Twitter feed; you'll see his take. But Cincinnati could, you know, could be five and five there. Then they're home for Oakland, which again, as I mentioned this week, they just cannot win on the Eastern Time Zone, and it's another early game for Oakland, which has New Orleans this week, and New Orleans has a chance to go five and five, which would be unbelievably remarkable for them. And and then New Orleans, if they go to five and five. Uh, then New Orleans goes home for a huge game Thanksgiving Sunday afternoon against San Francisco. Um, and uh, so the reason why I'm bringing all this up, Cincinnati uh, can be 6-5 and five easily at the end of Thanksgiving week with a trip to San Diego for a big game that will be for both teams. It's going to be playoff implicating uh, uh, thoughts about that entire game. That's a big game, week 13 between two teams that are aiming for the sixth and final playoff spot because Andrew Luck seems to be having the five seed in his clutches right now. He's not going to let it go. 
even though I know he's taking on your team this week, Brockman. He is. Finishing out the Cincinnati string of thought. Dallas is at Cincinnati. That's a winnable game for Cincinnati for sure. 15, Cincinnati is at Philadelphia. That's a short week. That's a challenge on the road. Week 16, Cincinnati's at Pittsburgh. And then finishing up, as uh, one might imagine, the way that the season started against the Ravens. So the Bengals have, have a shot here after that big win. And I want to hit one more thing with you guys before we get to DeMarcus and, um, and also uh, Jason Whitlock here. And that is uh, what's going on with uh, the Colts. They're making the playoffs. It's amazing. I'm a little scared this week, actually, with them coming to New England. I, I can't wait. I mean, it's going to be. We're going to. I mean, that's going to be most of the country's going to see it. It's in the late afternoon on CBS. Especially with the way that Pat's secondary looks, I know Akeem Tlaib is back, but. Well, right now it's shaping up four or five Colts Broncos first round. I know Broncos are home against San Diego. It's incredible. Oh, uh, by the by the way, the North. Uh, have you ever? You've never seen that out of the North. Him well, going I mean, off. It, I, well, he's got. I mean, at some point, it's got to bother him. You know, I media, say good for him. Media, well, the media. Yeah, the question was sort of silly. Do you have yeah. the exchange? Do you have the yeah. exchange? Yeah, yeah, I got it right here. Play. The question is sort of silly. In your estimation, if you do respond and they do still play hard and still continue to lose, is that acceptable? Pardon me. What do you think? I mean, what what do you think the answer to that question is? Answer it for me. Is it acceptable? No, it's not acceptable. You know the answer to that. Is that what acceptable? Having a block punt and having a return, punt, uh, kick uh, interception for a touchdown? No. Okay, we're trying. That's not what we're trying to accomplish out there. We're trying to go win games, uh, and those things are keeping us from winning. No, that's not acceptable. It's not acceptable to play hard and not win. But that's what happened. I'm going to explain to you what happened out there. I mean, how is he supposed to respond? Norville, to if it's Eugene Turner. How is he supposed to respond if it's acceptable or not? Of course, it's not acceptable. <laughs> right. But I mean, <laughs> the media has just asked him so many different ways in the last five years. How are you disappointed? Are you disappointed? What are you going to do about it? You know, sometimes you get inventive, I guess, or you lose your mind if you're part of the media. Uh, I guess one more thing, too. I, I, we, there's so many things to talk about. I, it's what's so neat about this part of the year is is the season's on the brink for so many teams. It's right now is a time of year where everybody's still, everybody's still up for discussion, pretty much two-thirds of the league's up for discussion. Um, you know, uh, the, Rams, the Rams tying with the 49ers. I, I, I watching that game. Neither team wanted to win. Well, I mean, watching that game, I was thinking to myself, "This is Jeff Fisher serving notice on the rest of the NFC West that he's there. He is he is serving notice. The Rams are no more pushovers. He has this team prepared. They are playing great. They're throwing the entire kitchen sink at the Niners. They knock Alex Smith out of the game. Their defense means business." And then they shoot themselves in the foot with procedure penalties. The man who's on the competition committee is the co-chair for over a decade, who probably knows the rule book better than any coach in the National Football League. Danny Amendola darn near wins the game in overtime. Oh, incredible. But they have an illegal formation. They have an illegal formation. And the game, the game broadcast didn't notice that there was a flag on the field for a while. So a lot of fans at home are thinking it was a late flag. Yeah, it's it was not, really confusing. No, Pereira, but Pereira, our boy Pereira, our boy Pereira, who cut his teeth on NFL Network for years in the official review segment I did with him, he's on it, man. He was explaining uh, the officials saw it. They have to talk about it. Was he covered up? Was he not? They huddle up. He wasn't. They throw the flag. 
and the cameras are probably on Amendola celebrating, and right. everyone else is celebrating. But if you saw, there was a shot of Jeff Fisher, and he looked uh, as stoic as ever, because I'm sure he was looking at why is there a group of officials huddling. And that's what happened. And the flag comes out, and then they call it. But I'm sure everyone at home in St. Louis is celebrating a win, essentially, and it's just all of it. That's when the NFL, there's always a flag. Always a flag you got to look for. Our faithful listener, Patty Cake, I'm sure was none too pleased yeah, And that. then, it, probably not. Probably not. And then, you know, they give the ball back to San Francisco. San Francisco has a chance to win. Acres of all people misses. Niners get the ball. I mean, the, the Rams get the ball back and um, get young Jeezy from 53 yards away. It's good, except delay of game. Moving back five more yards from 58 yards away, no good. No good. And so that means that the Rams, in that overtime, had two wins, two losses, and one tie. In 2012, in there, shouldn't be, there shouldn't be ties in 2012. Well, and, and you knew it was coming. You knew somebody on the field was not aware that there's a tie. And sure enough, afterwards, Peter King said Danny Amendola told him he had no idea there was a tie. Deshaun Goldston was wondering, where's everybody running? Can you believe that Danny Amendola didn't know that, though? Because he was on the 08 Eagles whenever... Whenever McNabb didn't know. Uh-huh. That's all and, Which was the last time. Which is it's the last time that happened. So San Francisco is, um, is going into their game this week, Monday night against Chicago, uh, it, with the proverbial hockey line of winless in their last one game. You know, they're 0-0-1 in their last one. And the Rams have the Jets. And, and talk about the Jets. Oh, God. Just briefly. Do we have to? Well, I mean, the, the ignominy of what is facing them this week because they cannot offensively move the ball at this point. And they have no desire to play Tim Tebow. There is no way you can tell me in a 3-6 and season with the numbers that Sanchez is putting up that the situation of the game has not dictated more Tim Tebow yet. You cannot say that. As Tony Sperano said coming out of the bye week for the Jets when he was asked, why haven't you played Tim Tebow so much, saying the game situations have not dictated it yet. You cannot say that anymore. How about you the can't. record situation? You can't. You can't say that. You can't say that. And now they go into St. Louis where the Rams are so much better of a team than they are away, even though they almost just knocked off San Francisco in San Francisco. That place is so loud we heard it on Thursday Night Football. They can't protect Sanchez, and here comes that Rams defense. And here's the ignominious aspect of it. If the Rams' offense looks better than the Jets' offense and it's coordinated by Schottenheimer. Yeah, that's awesome. Who got run out of town. The young Schottenheimer. I think we realized. Schottenheimer. So, you know, but we also saw how how much a revenge factor for an offensive coordinator uh, didn't really play out with Monday Night Football with Todd Haley. Very true. So there's so much going on, obviously, in the NFL. We're going to get to what's going on with the Chiefs and everything else. Uh, on the thoughts of uh, the 2012 season from a man who has so many fascinating thoughts and uh, to the point where many people love hearing them and many people don't. Uh, He's Jason Whitlock. He will join us later on this show. But right now, let's talk Dallas Cowboys football with one of the best ever to wear the star on the side of their helmet. He is the most feared pass rusher in the National Football League today, the best player ever out of Troy. And I say this because O.C. Humanura could possibly be listening to this podcast. He yes, is nice. none other from the Dallas Cowboys, DeMarcus Ware. How are you, DeMarcus? Hey, doing good, doing good. Hey, thanks for that, that great introduction. Now, uh, I do have to say, whenever I have O.C. on the podcast, <laughs> I say the same thing to him. I'm, I'm, 
I'm totally blowing with the wind, essentially, is what I'm saying. <laughs> I have no spine no, when it comes I, I to you felt, I felt a little bit more extra feeling when you said that for me, though. I felt a little bit more yeah. extra oomph to it. Yeah, you know what? You you might be right, but unfortunately, I give the same. I got to be honest. I give the same. Because I remember uh, when I one of the first times I met you years ago. Now um, yeah. you told me you told me how do you how could you possibly say that OC is the best or one of the best? And then I said met OC independent of you, and he said the same thing to me too. I mean, the, the two right. of you guys have got this thing going. Yeah. Hey, you know, we are we always going back and forth to each other. I mean, he he, he we're both pass rushers. We do the same things, and you know, to be able to you know play in this league together from Troy, you know, it's, it's a great privilege. Yeah, and also from the from the same uh, high school as well, Auburn. Oh high yeah, same, yeah, same high school too. How for those who may not know, how did you wind up at Troy? How could how could Auburn let you not go to them? How does that? How about that? You, you know, I, I was a you know small guy, probably about six two, about one ninety five. Um, you know, playing right receiver, and, and Troy gave me an opportunity. They just, they just put, brought me down and said, hey, you know, we're going to put you as a pass rusher. That was my only scholarship that was offered to me, and they gave me an opportunity to blossom a little bit. So what type of wide receiver were you? A blocking one. Like, if you was a cornerback and there was, like, a, a running play, like a sweet try side, I would probably run you to the sideline and throw you in the bleachers. So you did not you did not have a reception to your credit? Hey, you know, I, I had one touchdown. I actually had a touchdown. It, it was go? probably like a two yarder. It was like a two yard touchdown. Oh you didn't you didn't you didn't run you didn't run uh, you know, post, you didn't you didn't you know, do I, a double move, you didn't have a double you know, I move. Did in a you? Post. I did a post one time and I got hit so hard I think I thought I swallowed my mouthpiece. <laughs> so I, I had to change. I had to be that guy now. <laughs> it, was, it wasn't the bang eight. It was. Was it one of those things? I think. I think it was like a fade. Like it wasn't like a fade route. He just knocked me out and, and like knocked me into the like sideline. I was in the air trying to catch the ball. No kidding. But do you ever remind like Dez or Miles Austin or Witten about your receiving capabilities at all? You know, I, I never remind them of that because the thing is, I see those guys get hit all the time, and you know, I think they feel the way that I feel. So I, I let them, you know, take their memories with them. Yeah. So how how would you rate how things are going in Dallas right now, Demarcus? You know, the thing is, thing, I, I think things are, things are as good as they can be. You know, we just kind of, you know, put some strings, some wins together with these short weeks that we have with Thanksgiving. And, I mean, what, what out of the couple games that we have, we have eight games left, whatever. We have five of them at home. So we got to play a consistent, you know, games. You know, week in and week out, and we got to find somebody to get some wins. So yeah, you've got, three, well. you've got three home games in a row right now. And right. you are coming off of a st- – I mean, you are the only team in the NFL that did play six of your first nine on the road also. Right. Um, and so and so now it's like, you know, let's, let's, let's get home. Let's, you know, let's uh, use that home crowd that we have. Let's get some wins and, uh, and figure out no ifs and buts about it. You have to win games from now on. There, there's no there, – you can't even think about a loss. Do you feel like you're playing for your coach's job? You know what? We're playing to win games, but we know sort of what's at stake, and we're always playing for our coach. We're playing for not for his job, but, you know, for what he is worth. You know, he's worth, um, you know, not the record that we have right now, and we should be playing a lot better. And, I mean, he's a great coach, so we've got to show that for him. Now, if so many people just look at the talent level, DeMarcus, and expect you guys to win – 
And it always seems that there's just something a little bit off in terms of either playing disciplined or just playing in a manner that everyone expects you to play. Would you say that's a fair assessment of the Dallas Cowboys? I think um, the, the two things that's really been, you know, keeping us at bay is, you know, either penalties or, you know, it's, um, you know, turnovers. And when we don't have a lot of penalties and turnovers, we win games. And we have to find, you know, ways to stop that, both of them at the same time. And when we do, we win games. So that's why I was saying we have we have to be consistent every week. We can't, you know, be uh, – we, we're always the same team. We get out there and play hard. We give the effort. But that's not enough. You know, you can't get out there and give up, you know, 100 yards of penalties or 50 yards of penalties or four turnovers, three turnovers. No. On defense, we need to be the ones creating the turnovers, and we need to take care of the ball. And, you know, secondly, you know, we can have penalties. What did you think of Jimmy Johnson saying that it's a country club mentality in Dallas right now? And that you know, is... I, actually heard, I actually heard that today. Uh, I, 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 I mean, that's just what he, what he wants to say. And, I mean, I, I, can't, I can't, you know, say anything about that right now. Do you think? But but so there is an a, a, an an aura of culpability and responsibility there that you. I, I think I think that right now we're um you know our practices are going like they need to go where we're getting coached like we need to coach and you know I, I I'm not a member of a country club so I don't, I don't know exactly what <laughs> uh, country club atmosphere is like so um you know right now I think everything is how it should be. So you've never seen Caddyshack? You have never seen that movie? I've I've seen Caddyshack, but. You know, that's all. You don't know until you experience it. You can watch it on TV all you want to. Uh huh. So the, uh, uh, at least you've seen Caddyshack. I'd have been very upset with you. Had you... I've seen Caddyshack. <laughs> okay, that's good. Okay, so but nobody's chasing right, any, right. any any gophers around. Uh, no, no, right there's there, there no gophers at the Cowboys facility. I'll tell you, Bruce Carter <laughs> could probably catch one. I mean, that guy. Yeah, he's, probably, he's fast now. He is, he is fast. Is he the fastest guy on your defense? You know what? Um, he might be. I mean, I, I don't know. The way that he runs to the ball and the way that he's playing, man, right now, he, he's really taking on that role of Sean Lee. And, um, I mean, the thing is, he, he's been playing really well. And uh, he, he's at that center, that center stone for us right now in the middle. What do you consider your role on the defense, DeMarcus? You know, the thing is, is being a consistent leader, but then also getting out there and leading by example. And, and when it's time, you as you call it, nut-cutting time, when it's, you know, pass first time and getting pressure on the quarterback, you know, that's my job, and that's what I'm supposed to do. And what is it like to have uh, fresh meat, in a way, with Brandon Whedon this week when you got a rookie quarterback in your sights? What's your mind uh, mindset that week leading up to the game? You know, they, they um, the Cleveland Browns, they've had, you know, really a consistent offensive line. And um, we, we have to, I mean, no matter what, um, you know, get pressure on them, but we have to stop the run. They didn't run the, the ball really well, but having a quarterback back there, we gotta, you know, show different things to them to sort of make indecisive decisions, and uh, and we have to get pressure on them. Before I let you go, you're part of the Duracell Trust Your Power program. You're helping the Lancaster mm-hmm. High Tigers prepare for their first playoff game this Thursday, and folks can tweet words of encouragement to at Demarcus Ware with the hashtag Trust Your Power, and then you're going to retweet. You're going to retweet your favorites. Is that the situation? Oh yes, I, yeah. I'm going to retweet my favorites. I'm, I'm here to just support them. Um, you know, Duracell is sort of giving them, you know, football equipment, you know, calculators, defibrillators, batteries, I mean, whatever they need, and just have an opportunity to sort of spread some positivity in a small-time school that, you know, making big-time accolades and making the playoffs. And, you know, we're just here supporting them and letting them know that, you know, it's not going unnoticed. How small is the school? 
you know, the thing is, when you talk about the state of Texas, I mean, they, they're, they're graduating class maybe 300, but, you know, usually there's like a 1,200, mm-hmm. um, you know, person graduating class. So that tells you how small they are. Hey, DeMarcus, I know your your time is limited. Uh, I really appreciate you calling in. Happy Thanksgiving in advance, and uh, right, you thank take you, care thank of yourself. You. you too. Hey, did O.C. ever catch a pass in college, in high school? Did he, he ever catch you know, a pass he, in high he never caught a pass, so I have some, I have some on him right now. He, there you go. He's never caught a touchdown pass before. There you go. DeMarcus, we're the most versatile player in the history yeah. of <laughs> Auburn High School and then Troy University joining me here on yes, the podcast. Sir. Okay, yes, there you sir. go. It's a new one. Uh, yes, thanks, for, thanks for joining, DeMarcus. All right, thank you. Take you care. take care. All right, bye. Now let's talk about the Cowboys and the rest of the National Football League with one of the more foremost voices in uh, all of the sports world right now. He is uh, a highly popular column on FoxSports.com as well as a podcast, Real Talk, with Jason Whitlock joining me on the Rich Eisen podcast for the very first time. Jason, thanks for coming on the show. I'm sorry it's taken this long for me to get on. You know, as a former Michigan quarterback, I figured I'd be with the first invite. <laughs> you know what? We do both bleed maize and blue. Uh, but it, now I guess it's better late than never. If we make this a home-and-home home, uh, with each other's podcast, Jason, I'd be all over that. I'd be absolutely all over I'm, that. I hope to get you on my podcast, and I hope I don't make you too uncomfortable because I'm going to ask you a bunch of controversial questions about ESPN. You know what? That's fine. I'm I'm up for talking about that 100%. It can't get any worse than one of my first radio interviews I ever I ever did as a member of SportsCenter. It was like four months in to my tenure. I was on Tony Kornheiser's radio show. And on live radio, he asks, how has everybody at ESPN been? And I'm like, it's been great. And he goes, Chris Berman, that guy's a total blowhard, isn't he? Quote, unquote. <laughs> Well, my funny ESPN story would be, you know that I got Stan Verrett to actually believe I played quarterback in Michigan. <laughs> Did you really? He, yes. He, no, he, he was following me on Twitter, sees me talking about playing a Michigan quarterback. He stops me at a Lakers game. I didn't know you played quarterback in Michigan. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> now, you, you did have a cup of coffee, though, at Michigan, though. That is the truth. I had a brief cup of coffee as a sports writer (laughs) after college uh, at the Ann Arbor News, yeah. But, uh, no, my my connection to Michigan, I covered the Fab Five, covered uh, the Gary Moeller Michigan Wolverines, uh, but my real connection and affinity for Michigan is obviously Brady Hoke, a former Ball State football player, and my favorite coach at Ball State and my favorite coach, in all the sports is now Michigan's head coach. Yeah, I know. I love the guy. I really do. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm eager to see what he can do when he gets his own people in there, top to bottom, and um, you know, he just, he just, it comes out of his pores. Just the way he is. It's just a Marshall Falk told me about him because of his time at San Diego State. He goes, "You're going to love this guy. You're going to absolutely love this guy." Is what he said to me, and I do. He's, he's amazing, and. uh I, you know, I get giddy about him and Jeff George, and then I'm right about this one. I may have been a little bit wrong about Jeff George, but I'm right about Brady Hope. Yeah, my favorite, Marshall played me a, a voicemail that Brady left for Marshall after Falk got in the Hall of Fame, and it was a congratulatory message saying, you know, great job, Marshall. And then he he's finished with his message, and he goes, all right, go blue, and hung up the phone. <laughs> <laughs> the best thing about Brady is, he literally is just what he looks like. Yeah, Brady, right. 
will drink Natty Lights until the cows come home. He'll stay. His favorite thing at Ball State <clears throat> literally was, and it was a bit, and he did it at San Diego State as well when he was a coach. Uh, he loves to tailgate after the games in the parking lot, and he'd have these big the coaches and family and everybody right there in the Ball State parking lot until one or two in the morning on night games, just tailgating. Same thing at San Diego State. <clears throat> and so when he gets to Michigan, that first year I go up there for a couple of weeks for fall camp, and he <laughs> and Laura, his wife, all they're talking about is, will we be able to tailgate after the game <laughs> where we did it? And he can't. I mean, he's too much of a celebrity now to cause too big of a scene, but. That is who Brady Hoke is. I mean, he is. You would love to have a beer with him. You would love to be, you know, one of his best friends and go bowling or play golf or do whatever. He's a real guy. You know, and I think you could say that about um, any facet of life, certainly sports too, sports television for sure. The more successful people I've met are, are the same people that, that, that you see on TV or you hear on the radio. There's no airs. You know, there's no airs in those people if you think about it. Oh, Brady Hoke is Fred Flintstone. I'm not telling you, and it's 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 he's just so genuine, and that's why he recruits so well. Uh, if you spend some time around him, you just feel it that he is actually he still thinks he's a, a middle linebacker that uh, <laughs> that should have been recruited by Ohio State. Uh, is probably I think is why he calls him Ohio, uh, <laughs> uh, but. I just, you know, I listen. I can't say enough good things about Brady Hoke. I mean, I, every kid, if you're out there and you're recruiting, you're listening, you want to play for Brady Hoke. I feel the same way, but I'm I'm biased as well. So uh, what do you feel in 2012, as we're sitting here right now, is the most important? Uh, what's the biggest storyline in the NFL in your estimation so far in 2012? Uh, it's a story that I don't really believe in, but I think it's going to drive the narrative. Uh, more even more as the season progresses, and this weekend play, it played out concussions and quarterbacks. And it's you know I've heard some people that you know characterize the hit that put Jay Cutler down as cheap. I didn't think it was cheap. I thought it was just good hard football. Uh, but this concussion issue and how it impacts quarterbacks and you know Demore uh, Smith and the Players Association are getting involved and calling for, you know, the, the teams to follow protocol. I, I, I'm i one of these, and I, I hate to show my stupidity, but I'm just real as well. Having played football, <clears throat> you know, there's still part of me, and I know I'm wrong. This is not the intellectual side of me talking. This is the football side of me. I think we're making too much of concussions. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I'm looking at uh, everything is being attributed to concussions now, and uh, I just don't know if I buy it. And, and you know, maybe that's knock on wood because you know, playing football for twelve or thirteen years or however long I played it, I haven't had those problems, and, and I can't think of any of my friends that have had those problems. And I've had many friends that played in the NFL and whatnot. But the concussion issue to me is the big that that has superseded. I think even uh, the players 
this this life of Roger Goodell as the preeminent issue in the National Football League. How, how so? Do you think Cutler should have been allowed to stay in the game? Is that what you're? Is that what you're? No, I think some people are right questioning. Now, no, no, no. I think some people are questioning why he wasn't pulled earlier. Yeah, those uh, people definitely are questioning that for sure. And that, you know, is, I, I'm saying to, to some degree, a coach can only react to what his players tell him. It's like a doctor. A doctor is only as good as the information he gets. And a football player is always going to want to play, uh, particularly someone like Jay Cutler, who's had, who's had his toughness questioned. And so I, I just think people are going to come down too hard on the Bears and Lovey Smith for the way they handled Cutler. And there, this, it's just not as black and white as people want to make this seem. Uh, you know, I, I just, look, just the football meathead in me, you, you get your bell rung, you see stars, you got it out. Uh, again, that's not the intellectual side of me. I understand from an intellectual argument, if it was my son out there uh, or brother, I, perhaps I would feel differently, but <clears throat> I, I don't, I mean, we just talk so much, and I'm watching these refs having to make so many uh, split de- split decisions, uh, uh, obje- subjective decisions on what is and isn't an illegal hit, and it just bothers me watching the game because, you know, I I, I like the big hits. And, you know, it's like we're, we're handcuffing the defenders. The only thing that, that's left for the defense is intimidation. They've ruled out everything else. You can't touch the receivers. You can't hit the quarterback. You can't, the only thing they can do is intimidate you as you come across the middle. So when I watch Ed Reed and these guys and Bernard Pollard, it's like I know what they're doing. It's like, man, the only thing we can do is intimidate these guys, so i got to hit them when they come across the middle, and i got to ring their bell. So what's that's the, the only way? What's the answer then, Jason? Because, you, I mean, you know as well as anybody else, that there is the this medical information that's that 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 is uh i guess more exact uh and certainly um, more voluminous let's put it that way that, than ever before and on top of it there's all of these lawsuits that's on on the the desk of of the commissioner H- how else how else should this be handled if than it than it currently is how would you how would you if you could well, wave a wand and, and and institute the Whitlock rules here what would you do I make everybody sign waivers that, hey, we're playing football, play at your own risk. Uh, the only other solution <laughs> is to outlaw the game or make it like the Pro Bowl and no one will watch the Pro Bowl or no one will. No, no, no. People do watch the Pro Bowl. No one will be satisfied watching that <laughs> kind of football. Well, maybe not for long. Maybe not for long. No, that right. Pro Bowl may, may not be long for the world right now. Right. But, but it was amazing. The Pro Bowl is horrible, but it still draws good ratings. Uh, that's how addicted we are to football, but but to some degree, I, I think you know part of me. It, it's either one of those two deals: either we make the game like the Pro Bowl and it's two hand touch, pretty much, or we make everyone say, "Hey, you know, you're signing up for something crazy here," and you know, play at your own risk. Well, one one way I think that they could, in terms of just, uh, I'm not talking about. Uh, health and safety i'm talking about removing what you're discussing which is put the refs in the position of playing armchair doctor and not like the refs having to figure out who's concussed or not 
But the refs are always going to throw flags erring on the side of health and safety. If they see a big hit, their first thought is that's illegal. And then they may think, well, where was the hit taking place? If it's anywhere near the head, that flag's coming out. And I think that should be challengeable, where somebody can go ahead and turn that thing over so it doesn't affect – it doesn't affect the actual administration of the game. I think that should be challengeable, and, and I'm running against the brick wall trying to run that up the, the flagpole, to be very honest with you. Not just challengeable. They need to have refs in a booth helping referee the game from television and from replays and more easier communication through earpieces and walkie-talkies or whatever so they can help the refs and we can get through replay quicker. There's no reason for Mike Carey, Ed Hockley, and these guys to go through the rigmarole of going underneath that hood and going to the sidelines. That's a waste of time. It's a joke. How good can you see it from underneath that deal when someone could be sitting comfortably up in some room with HD TVs, a bunch of them watching a bunch of different replays? You could have seven TVs up and seven refs looking at seven different angles of the same controversial play and get an instantaneous decision. Oh, here's the right angle, blah, blah, blah. We could speed that whole process up. Referees need to be helped by technology because this game is moving so fast and there's so many subjective decisions to be made. They need help. Interference calls should be subject to replay, and certainly the helmet-to-helmet hits should be subject to replay. The other thing, if we're talking just about health and safety, one thing I suggested that I think some people think are crazy, and this is if you wanted to go to this 18-game schedule so they could make more money. I'd go to an 18-game schedule and say that, uh, and I would expand the rosters to 65 or 60-some-odd players, and I would say we're going to play 18 regular season games, but you can only play 16 of them. And make your full roster accountable. Make your backup quarterback has to play a couple of games because Caden Payton Manny can only play in 16 games. I would do some things to to less play that gives these guys more rest to fix their body. There's some. There's other ways to help these guys with their health and still meet Roger Goodell's mandate. They got he's got to make more money. That's. Uh, commissioner's job he wants to get to this 18 game schedule i say go for it but you know the players still play 16 well i i love that idea and it's definitely being discussed that i I for sure they're discussing about maybe uh expanding the rosters there's more jobs there's more games so there's more money for everybody but um there's a couple of games that everybody's got to sit out that that makes things uh, so many so much more fascinating like when do you play this guy when do you not yeah. it's sort of it's sort of like fantasy football in many ways that you got to use your whole roster and then there's sometimes on a bye week you got to put somebody else in so you can't just play the same guys as for uh, just to let you know i have mentioned to the league when they come around and they they speak to all the the league partners the television partners we're obviously one of them where they talk about what's emphasized and what's not in terms of the new rules and and, and whatnot, I mentioned, I'm like, why do you have the refs trot off the field and go under a hood? Give them an iPad. Give them a tablet. You know, make it a Motorola tablet so you can get, like, you know, sponsorship in there. And, and, and the, TV, the TV crews promise not to shoot what, over the shoulder of what the referee is looking at. Run it out there. There's no reason for them to run in and take a look at stuff like that. And I also mentioned, as you said, too, 
Uh, but that's a non-starter. Having people upstairs, like college, they're the ones that 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 control it. The the coaches on the field hate that. They want to look the ref right in the eye and speak to the person who is making the call why they decided yes, no, challenged uh, that the, the challenge is upheld or overturned. They want to see it directly from the guy who's making the decision, Jason. So that's a non-starter in the NFL, what you suggested. Well, there are people who can start non-starters, and Roger Goodell and Orson are one. The, the coaches answer to them. And to be honest with the TV networks, because one thing, Mike Pereira, I think, has been a great invention Incredible. for the NFL. And, and there's broadcasting ability if you have cameras in this room where the refs are actually making these decisions. And, hell, maybe you put them, everybody's got a jumbotron, and you put the refs that I've got the replay, here's why we overturned, throw him on the jumbotron and throw him on TV. Coaches get their explanation. Could be kind of fascinating. Uh, to listen to, I because I, Mike Prayer to me is underutilized at Fox, and I hope no one at Fox is irritated me saying this, but I wish he were right in the booth with <clears throat> all these guys, Troy Aikman and Joe Buck, because I get so tired of uh, of the the people in the booth not knowing the rules, speculating about the rules. Uh, when I was like, why can't we just have a former ref? These Mike Prayer is great TV. These other refs, I'm sure, would be great because they actually know the rules. The, the biggest conversation on Twitter during <laughs> NFL games are people speculating and talking about rules interpretations. Of, yep. Was this or that the right call? Put these refs in the booth with them. It, it's it's great TV. Yeah, Pereira is essentially in the booth because they go to him. They go to him all the time. Um... And it, that is great because because nothing foments more fan anger than somebody in a booth talking about a play and not being right about it. And and the league is always encouraging folks in the booth, folks who are on uh, in a studio show, to call uh, Carl Johnson in his in his uh, bunker in league headquarters in New York. And a lot of people think that maybe Carl Johnson and his group of people should be the ones as the replay uh, judges, that they're the ones that the refs are on the horn to. Baseball, uh, which is the only way that I think baseball gets replay correct, is the people, and the NHL too, uh, the, the people that the refs are on the horn with are at the league office, not somebody who's upstairs looking at it. And that person upstairs is not always that competent as we saw this week with Denver in Carolina, uh, Trendon Holiday flipping the ball. He sort of Deshaun Jackson did before he crossed the goal line on his punt return uh, for a touchdown, and that should have been a touchback, and I have no idea how they blew that call. I mean, you could see that plain as day in replay, Jason, but it's not a perfect system, which is what you'll always hear from league officials when you complain about it. No, and listen, that Trust me, and that game, I thought Carolina had a shot, so I was emotionally tied into that game. That's a mistake I can, I don't agree with, obviously, but I can overlook. Human error is going to happen. You weren't looking for that. You weren't Because I wasn't thinking. I, I don't think I realized that either, I think it was at halftime they showed the replay, and I go, oh, my God. This yeah, is the first time I even thought that this was even an issue. Yeah, I guess CBS maybe put it on their super slow-mo, and it was obvious. I mean, it was 100% obvious. But as you're right, uh, uh, past interference will never be reviewable. You can do that till you're blue in the face. 
Jason. It's just never, ever going to happen. The, the fact that they are making scoring plays, all scoring plays, uh, as an instant replay, I think was done out of uh, uh, tip of the cap to the coaches. Uh, if you asked me, I, and if you spoke to folks in the league office uh, privately, um, not saying that I did, but I'm just guessing that they don't like that. They want the games to move very fast. Um, but coaches don't want to use a challenge on something that they may not have to, so they just they just put scoring plays in there. Um, and that's not even working out so great because the officials are rarely announcing to the crowd that they're reviewing something or it has been upheld after review. They're just letting everybody assume that the point-after attempt in its mere being attempted has already uh, is the communication to everybody that things have been reviewed and upheld. And that's why you saw Mike Malarkey go absolutely ape on Thursday Night Football. He thought that wasn't reviewed when Andrew Luck reached over the goal right. line. You know? So it's not, it's not perfect in that respect. But I, I totally hear what you're saying. I, I agree with you on what you're saying. I want to talk about something positive, though. Go for it. Because I get, I get too – I'm always criticized for being too critical. The most positive <laughs> you thing get critici- going you get on. Criti- you get criticized for everything. Jason, I just said it's true. But the most positive thing going on in the NFL to me is Peyton Manning and Adrian Peterson. Mm-hmm. Uh, just two big-time superstars that I thought could never be the same. And one of them is back at an even higher level, and it looks like well, he's never had an injury, and that's Adrian Peterson. He's probably going to rush for 2,000 yards. And then Peyton Manning has just figured out how to be the old Peyton Manning, even though the physical tools say that he can't. Exactly. Uh, It's blowing my mind what these two guys are doing. Uh, Just through force of will, will, uh, Peyton, I mean, he's just taking his intellectual game to a whole other level, applying it to himself and his, making these guys in Denver play at a higher level than on the offensive side than what they should. Uh, I, I did wrong. I'm, I was dead wrong about Peyton Manning. And it's one of the most – I said this earlier. Peter King predicted at the beginning of the year that Peyton would be MVP. And I thought Peter was crazy. I thought he was kissing butt. I thought I, – I don't know what I thought he was thinking. And now, I mean, he, he had great sources and trusted what Elway and Fox were telling him, and it's one of the greatest predictions I've ever seen because how could you have seen this coming that this guy could do that? Because he's not the same guy. He's just smarter than the old Peyton Manning, and it's amazing to watch. And he's doing it with a whole different cast of characters, totally different it's cast. Unbelievable. Those guys, they, because their defense is, is very good. John Fox is a very good defensive coach. I thought Peyton made a big mistake not going to San Francisco because uh, Peyton, the difference between Peyton and Tom Brady to me has always been Brady had more sideline help. Uh, you know, not to say that Tony Dungy and his defense weren't a great help to Peyton Manning, but he's never had a guy offensively. I know he collaborated with Tom Moore, but mostly that was driven by Peyton Manning. And when you get in these playoff games and you're trying to outthink some of the greatest defensive coaches, 
in football that are just standing on the sidelines and you're out there playing and you're trying to outpick them. You just can't do it. And, and so, you know, I, I thought go to San Francisco, team up with Jim Harbaugh, win a couple, two or three Super Bowls, and right off into the sunset as the greatest quarterback in NFL history. And he's instead chose to go this route, which if he pulls it off and wins a Super Bowl, and just adds another one to his resume, I don't think I will object if people say he's as good as Elway in Montana. Well, uh, who do you choose as comeback player of the year? Uh, Adrian Peterson on a bye week this week. Um, the uh, Marshawn Lynch is uh, over 100 yards behind him. Arian Foster, who is a beast, as we all know, is 300 yards behind him. 300 yards behind him. Where, who would you vote for comeback player of the year if you had to right now? I would I would just have to split my vote and, and give it to both of them. I do think for comeback player of the year, I think what Adrian's doing is a bit more impressive. He's playing with a second-year quarterback who is kind of up and down, doesn't really make you defend the whole field. Everybody knows Adrian's coming, and he's still getting it done. Uh, I, I would think on the MVP race, I would favor Peyton over – uh, Adrian, although for me right now at this point, J.J. Watt is my MVP of the league. Is that right? Uh, I, yeah. I just, I'm just i so tired of defense players being overlooked in this league. And, and, and so it's not a protest vote. He still, to me, is the best player in the league right now. When, when I, as a former mediocre college offensive lineman, <laughs> that guy scares the shit out of me. Uh, he, he just—he can do it all. He's—he's he's a little bit Warren Sapp, a little bit Reggie White, a little bit Mark Astonoa. I've never seen. It. He plays inside. He plays outside. He overpowers you. He speed rushes you. He—he he bats balls. He does it all. Uh, and his team's got the best record in the league. I, I just—he would be my MVP right now. Peyton and Adrian Peterson and Matt Ryan would all be in the mix. Uh, but, right, I hope that they don't deny this kid. If he continues at this level, we haven't seen a defensive player this dominant since Ray Lewis in 19, or in 2000, 1999-2000. Well, he leads the league in sacks by just a half sack over Von Miller, whose defense you just praised a, a moments ago, and that kid is a beast. Von Miller, yeah, and he's just getting game. started. He's just getting started, too, it seems. And uh, the sky's the limit for Denver. Um, the, the Ravens um, came up with a big win this week. We also had uh, the Giants in season, uh, their, their midseason trough that we talked about earlier on this year. How do you see, as we're entering week 11 right now, if I ask you your, your Super Bowl pick, how do you see it, Jason? I, I think it's nearly impossible for anyone to say this team is better than everyone else. It's, it's just there are some very good teams. There's a lot of parity uh, in this league. I, I'll tell you, I'm more comfortable telling you uh, something that will blow your mind. It's not me trying to be crazy or provocative. I don't think anyone should count out the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> when I look at 
When I look at Dallas, I see all the tools to be a Super Bowl winning team. If they are the Giants, and, you know, who knows if Sean Payton will be able to save his bacon the way that Tom Coughlin did when he was on the verge of getting fired. But everything is there for them to do. I love DeMarcus Ware. I like Brandon Carr. I like the draft pick they made, the Claiborne and Corn. <clears throat> Des Bryant, Miles Austin. Uh, uh, I'm out here Tony in Romo. Romo. Oh, there it is. I do, I do like Romo. I, I, I like Romo. It, it, they, when I look across the NFC, there's no – if Jim Harbaugh were coaching that team, I think, every, one, they wouldn't be four and five. They'd be seven and one or something like that. And, and who knows? Sean Payton may get it together. Uh, that's my sexy Super Bowl pick. Uh, you know, if you just had to go, I'm done doubting Peyton Manning. And so, uh, I'm going to pick Denver in the AFC. Uh, cause I'm just, if Peyton Manning can do this, he's capable of anything. So I'm done doubting him. Uh, and Dallas would be my sexy pick out of no the AFC. Kidding. Well, I, I don't know if that was a Freudian slip with Sean Payton there with you saying that he's going to get it together. Oh, a lot no, of people, no, no, that's Sean Payton. I, I, no, missed, no, uh, I, I know Jason Garrett. Well, everybody's making that Freudian slip right now. you know. And, yeah. and, you, and just with you pointing out, though, that Garrett, that, that this team would be better in terms of win-loss record. And I think what you're hitting is nail on the head here, that with somebody like Harbaugh, one of those, one of those type coaches that is a culture changer, is a real SOB, Jimmy Johnson touched on it. We had, I asked Jamarcus Ware moments ago if he if if this was a country club atmosphere. He he cut me short. He totally poo pooed that notion. Um, and for those uh, for, for your in case you're interested, he says he has seen Caddyshack, so he definitely knows as he said a country club atmosphere. He doesn't belong to one. But uh, a lot of people think that this is the issue here that that Garrett doesn't have them uh, frothing at the mouth, and they don't have that will imposing type player. Even with DeMarcus Ware, that's the issue with the Cowboys, in my mind. And that's why I think the real wild card between what you are saying being the sexy pick and a real pick is DeMarco Murray. That if he can come back and he can hit people in the mouth and the whole team feeds off that, I think this could be a Super Bowl team, too. I believe it. Well, the, the thing that has to happen, and hopefully Jason, Jason Garrett should be there, if a coach gets desperate, He'll come a little bit out of character and be a bit. And with Tom Coughlin, yep. it went the other direction. He was too intense and he dialed it back. Jason Garrett may be a little too laid back and he may have to tap into his Jim Harbaugh. Uh, uh, there's another coach I'm thinking of. Mike Nolan's got some intensity to him. John uh, Harbaugh. You've got to transfer that intensity. Sean Payton's able to do it. That's the, the Saints have never had great defensive personnel, but but his intensity and obviously Greg Williams' intensity <laughs> uh, got that team over the hump. And I'm t- if someone injects that into the Cowboys where guys are scared, like, oh, I don't want to deal with this crazy-ass coach. If I come over here having done something stupid, it will take the Des Bryant's the, the Marcus Wears, the Tony Romos to another level. And and I just I look at them and say all the tools are that they they have 
in Des Bryant and Miles Austin, they've got great receivers that make you defend the entire field. And DeMarco Murray should be able to take advantage of that. Uh, so th- that's my – I just think everyone's off the Cowboys and, you know, written them off, and this might be their time to sneak up on everybody and get the last laugh. Couldn't let you go without talking Chiefs. Can't let you go, Jason, without talking about the Chiefs. I mean, they can't win for losing. They got their first – I mean, it's it's always bad for a team when it's a week 10 game and the announcer, uh, like Mike Tirico last night, uh, their their call, their their touchdown was – and the, the Chiefs have a lead, and he wasn't being facetious. He was excited for a reason. That's bad for a team. And um, and then we saw what happened happen. They, they had that game – um, they, even knocking Ben Roethlisberger out at halftime, they couldn't win that game. What do you think the future of the Kansas City Chiefs are, Jason? Well, they figured out a way to lose last night when they had every reason to win that game uh, because those players, that emotional energy you saw and the dancing in the end zone and Tom Bahali and the Houston kid doing the kid and play dance after a sack, those guys, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, were not Todd Haley fans. And that defense came out there, and Derek Johnson, who had gotten benched by uh, Todd Haley when he was in Kansas City, Derek Johnson played one of the best games that middle linebackers can play last night. It was some old-school Ray Lewis stuff he did last night. The defense was charged up, and they were going to stick it to Todd Haley. And they just went too far with it and just did just enough dumb stuff for Matt Castle to bite him in the rear at the worst time. And they lose a game where Pittsburgh is sloppy, it's you know wet track, you can't really get Pittsburgh's offense going. Ben goes down, Leftwich is rusty, and you know they had every reason to win. They figured out a way to lose. Uh, I've been a long critic of uh, Scott Pioli and the atmosphere he established in Kansas City. Uh, It's it's just he worries about too many things that don't really matter at the end of the day and and just causes distrust. They can't get that together attitude that you need in a football team. And, And they just have the wrong quarterback. If you have the wrong quarterback in this league, it makes it tough to do anything else. And so while on paper, Jamal Charles looks good, Dwayne Bowe looks good, they draft this kid, Jonathan Baldwin, uh, they've got some playmakers on defense, but if you have the wrong quarterback, you just have the wrong quarterback. And so they're right on the brink, and then boom. Matt Castle does what Matt Castle does. Game over. Chiefs lose again. And, uh, franchise is in, in disarray. And they have, look, Romeo Cornell, another low-energy uh, no emotion, coach. Uh, it's just the wrong mix in Kansas City. So, does Clark Hunt pull the trigger? Is the question? Uh, I don't think he's going to have a choice because that fan base is so irate. You know, I think week three or four, they're flying banners overhead, yeah. calling Twitter, for him to fire. Twitter uh, accounts. The Twitter yeah, account. Fire. Pioli. Yeah, they got the Twitter account. Say <laughs> uh, I just don't. I think I don't. Tickets on StubHub are selling for like $9 for the Cincinnati game. And that's a proud fan base. That's a city that has built its social life around the Chiefs. And so they're irate. They 
they can't believe the fun has been stolen from him. And so I don't think he's going to have any choice. I know, I think he's been consulting with Marty Schottenheimer about what to do. And they're going to have to reach out to someone really dynamic, Bill Cowher, John Gruden, uh, someone to cut <laughs> They could have made a play for Jeff Fisher uh, last offseason, but Fisher, you know, he I don't think he wants to work with Scott Pioli. So, you know, he goes to St. Louis, and St. Louis has a far more promising future than the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, you know, Jeff Fisher is a proven winner in this league, and they're going to have to get one of those blue-chip coaches uh, to come in and fix the mess in Kansas City, and that will probably lead to the elimination of Scott Pioli as well. Jason, thanks for the time, man. I hope this is the first of many. Thank you, Rich. So, and I'll come on yours. I'll answer any question you have. No, 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 no. I'm, I, I, we're going to do that uh, next week. Okay. Real quick, could, could Jeff George help the Chiefs win this season? Absolutely. <laughs> Ab- absolutely. Are you? I hope Pittsburgh has got got him on speed dial right now. <laughs> now you played with him in, in high school, was it, or no? Yes. Yeah, right. in high school, yeah. You know, he came on Total Access about four or five years ago and said he was better, and he said this on TV, live TV, that he was better than two-thirds of the quarterbacks in the league right now. He said that five We're years ago. We're not taping, are we? Yeah, this is, this is going. We could be taping oh, if you man, want. I can't, I can't comment. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, I appreciate it. I'll come on anytime. You give me a ring. Thank you, Rich. You got it. That's Jason Whitlock. His podcast, Real Talk with Jason Whitlock, can be found on iTunes. And also uh, check out uh, what he has to say, obviously, and write about on FoxSports.com. Whitlock. Man, oh, man. He loves Jeff George, doesn't he? He does. I didn't he realize Brady were... Hoke. I love Brady Hoke, too. Would Jeff George be better than uh, Byron Leftwich right now? He says that, and I'm sure George would say that, too. I would have loved to have heard that story he, he was going to tell yeah. us. <laughs> he was off, but... um. How about the Cowboys? Him taking the Cowboys as a Super Bowl sleeper. You know what? I, I think they can be a Super Bowl sleeper. And you could say, well, what are you saying? Blah, blah, blah. The Giants and the Packers of 2011 and 2010, respectively, proved that you can go from 500 or around 500 late in November, early in December, yep. go on a run for the ages. Now, for Dallas to go on a run for the ages, like I said, DeMarco Murray's got to come back and get healthy and run 20, 25 times a game and hit people in the mouth and take the clock down from five minutes to zero when you've got a lead instead of having Tony Romo depend on him to pick up that first down in the last five minutes of the game and impose your will on the other team, and the defense will feed off of that. They need that 100%. They need Des Bryant to grow up. They need him to grow up and become the game-changing animal outside the numbers that everybody expects that he can be. They need it. They need him to be one of those guys like Brandon Marshall even, to, who, who when it's darkest before the dawn in the middle of all that horrible rain, still had 100 yards receiving. Got to have that. Got to have it. And you got to have the defense not making mistakes. And they've done. They've played that way more more often than not this year. Well, Demarcus, where and you got to have the coach. You got to have the coach do what 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 Whitlock said is step outside of his skin. Do it. I just don't know if he can be the guy to suddenly become become the uh, the disciplinarian and be believable 
And I don't know if anybody could do that under the current construct when you know that the real disciplinarian and the real crazy person, who is, <laughs> as Whitlock said, who needs to be you have, so that the person in charge is so crazy that your job's on the line. We all know who that one is. It's the owner. Right. And many people think under the current construct, it just it'll never work out. But you can't sit here and say with the Cowboys at four and five and three straight home games, you can't say that they're out of this thing. We already at the beginning of this podcast showed you how the Giants come out of their bye and maybe lose at home to Green Bay. They're six and five, and all Dallas has to do is win twice in the span of five days, and they're six and five also. I mean, it, it's right there. It's entirely possible that that's the case. As we enter week 13. Well, he, wasn't, he also wasn't biting on your clubhouse uh, atmosphere <laughs> comment at all, by the way. Nobody did on this podcast. <laughs> I thought it was great. I'd like the Caddyshack comeback, though, you had. Nobody did. Um, okay, so housekeeping. Let's get to the Doug Martin nickname. Let's get to it. Um, we asked on the previous show, just like everyone else has done it, Dan, Dan Patrick's show has done it. Sports Center, I think, did. Yeah, Sports Nation, I think. Had everybody, went, yeah. everybody went Doug Martin, nickname crazy. But we all know we're the people. We're the experts. Absolutely. We're the people you go to. Oh. We're the go-to guys here. We're, we're experienced in this. Even though, again, the natural still gets so much flack. I'm, not, I'm undeterred. We've gotten a lot of tweets, though, about people using the natural on all different yeah, platforms. Yeah, people are using it. The Sky people Sports Network yeah, over, Sky, in, uh, Sky Sports. over in the U.K.? Hey, listen. Did you hear who dropped punters of people two references the last Trent Dilfer, good-looking man. On ESPN. You know who else dropped one? Ed Reed. Nice. Yeah. When Sam Cooke ran it in the end zone. Law dead. Running up, running up, <laughs> running up the score against the, the Raiders. <laughs> when he ran it in and he celebrated and he spiked the ball and they asked Ed Reed after the game and uh, what he thought of the celebration. He goes, hey, punters are people too. Awesome. I'm telling you. It's awesome. We're experts at this. If you want to start – weaving something into the sports lexicon, not only on this continent, but on others. International, baby. If you want to go global, this is the place. So Doug Martin may not know, but this is it. Uh, We asked you to send in your best nicknames at the hashtag of Martin Nickname. And uh, I got got some great ones. Yeah, I got a a few good ones, too. Who wants to go first? Go ahead, Rich. Yeah, yeah, give us us, uh, your... Here are my favorites. Here are my favorites. Uh, the Buck Truck, as we mentioned on the previous one, from okay, Gus Ramsey of ESPN uh, producer. I, I still love that one. Duganator. Yep. Dougzilla. Um, the Doug or not, right? Doug or not. The Doug or not. That was from uh, at Bumby, right? Yep. That's a good right. one. Um, we got. I got one from at Action Action Techs uh, Action T E C H K S. Aston Martin. Nice. That, that, I wrote that back, especially one. if he plays in Wembley. Here, this one from AWP2328. Th- th- this is it, I think. This might this, be it. Well, this made it into USA Today, and I don't know if it's because we were tweeting it out or it was mentioned somewhere else. I don't know. Martin scores easy. That's my favorite. Martin scores easy. Uh, Martin scores easy. I, I, I don't know if that's a st- you, 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 I don't know if that's going to stick. That's a tough one. If I was doing highlights every week, I could do my best to make that stick. It's really tough. Here's my favorite. Here's my favorite. Okay. Because the best nicknames are not the ones that play off of somebody's name. Right. That's always the easy way out. To me, the best sports nickname in the NFL in the last quarter century was the bus. Right? 
when he nicknamed Jerome Bettis the bus because he took everyone to school. It didn't have to do with Jerome. It didn't have to do with Bettis. It didn't have to do with his college. It didn't have to do with anything. He was the bus because he schooled everybody. Took was he the bus pre-Pittsburgh? I should know this. Was he? I thought it was because he was big and no. yellow. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might have to something to do with it, too, but it's just like his nickname. And if, and if this was today and somebody named Jerome Bettis the bus because he takes everyone to school, I think he'd be ridiculed in real time on Twitter. I think it's very difficult in this day and age to get something like that started, but we're not undeterred. So here's my, here's my favorite. Doug Martin is the cleaner. You know why? Because when he's done, they've been Martinized. I don't know if I get it. I'm going to be completely honest. Dude, Martinized. You've never heard of it. when you clean something that you Martinize it. No. And Brockman oh. clearly hasn't either by the look on his face right now. Come on, Chris Brockman. Come on, Chris. This is Monty Python territory here for the two of us. Oh, no. Where did this Martin? Is that a New York phrase? Martinizing. I'm going to go. I'm going to let's 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 Google this thing. I can't believe this anymore. And by the way, that was uh, at Steve Barry one that sent you that, I believe. No, I got uh, this one. The the one I got for for Martinizing. Yeah, that's I so see there was that. somebody else, huh? Yeah. No, look, I, I look, got this one it, from. It's uh, a, look, I, it's oh, a, I, I know, and I know if this doesn't help my case. It's at underscore <laughs> Grant Grandpa D. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. I know it doesn't. I know it doesn't help my cause here. Martini- Martinizing is a dry cleaning term, Rich. Yes. I, I've never gotten anything dry cleaned. <laughs> Yeah, this is a, you're a guy that used to go a full month without right, uh, exactly. cleaning anything. Well, I, I, my, I love it. He's the cleaner because you've been martinized. My, Here's another that's one. That's pretty good, actually. The, I Ma- like the cleaner. My Martin, fa- go Martin ahead. Dramatica. Martin. Martin Dramatica. Yeah, that was funny. Nice. That is a good one. I liked uh, Jay Kapoor NYC sent in uh, Martin McFly. And if you know my affinity yeah. for Back to the Future. Uh, yeah, no, I know I mean, you were loving that I one. But... but Marty McFly is like, you know, a, a, a dweeb from where, high school. Where he's going, he you doesn't know? need I mean, roads. Come on. Dude, come on. But it's like, it's like. Right, I like so, uh, I like Dougie Rush. Yeah, Dougie, Dougie Rush. I mentioned that. To, I mentioned that one to uh, Falk. He was not happy. So. Because you know, Marshall's nickname, you know, is Rush. Which That's I've never nickname. heard that once before. Yeah. Oh, you called. No, he's been called Rush forever. But he just was never really, you know, yeah. the, na- the name that he was referred to the, the in, power in, bug. in the pros. But he, see, he did not like Dougie Rush. Didn't like it at well, all. Well, I, mm. I caught game day morning this week, and Eminem. Uh, I who don't do know. You think, who do you think told Michael but, Irvin to use that nickname? So the the best part though is off camera because you're over there with Mooch. I think I can yeah. hear you yelling. I produced this segment of Eminem. I did. I did. <laughs> and you're yelling I, that off camera, like just as it goes to commercial that just got in before yeah. break, and it was uh, I was rolling. It's, it's 5.30 in the morning, and they were coming up with the last topic for Eminem, going over that the producer comes in, uh, one of the segment producers come in and comes in and asks Irvin, you know, you know what the last topic is for Eminem, and they mentioned the Martin nickname, asked, asked Irvin if he had any. He goes, yeah, I've got a couple, and I said, I've got some for you because, you know, I've been collecting them all week on Twitter for the podcast, and um, I told him the one that you should definitely use if you want to get Marshall's goat, which is as – you know, that's a redundant question to ask um, Michael Irvin. <laughs> and I mentioned, I said, if you mention Dougie Rush, you're going to get a rise out of him. And sure enough, to the point where Marshall used his remaining time in the segment to complain, as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to provide his own nickname right, as he right. was supposed to and already planned to. He gave Irvin a rough handshake, too. So yeah. the question is, what do we do here? Do we put this up for a poll question? What yeah, think? I think I think we throw it up on the poll. We'll, we'll throw up uh, four of those. 
Okay. We'll narrow that down to four. And, I think um, let's, let's narrow it down now. Martin Scorsese's one. Yep. Yep. Um, I, the cleaner is another. Absolutely. The, for the under, what? For uh, the over, over? Uh, yeah, I, I didn't okay. get it, but no, I, I like obviously the, cl- some the cleaner's good. No, the Martinizer. The great. I thought you, I thought you wanted the Martinizer. No, no, the cleaner. Oh, got it. Okay, he's the cleaner. Got it's it. sort of like the Jerome Bettis is the bus. Why? Because he takes everyone to school. Doug Martin's the cleaner. Why? Because after after he's finished with you, you've been Martinized. Potential late addition here, Doug the bounty hunter. Hmm. I'm not a fan of that. No. Okay. Okay. If if we didn't on game day uh, highlights and final the last three years ago name uh, Maurice Jones Drew Pocket Hercules, that'd have been perfect for for Doug Martin. Yeah. But as we all know, Pocket Hercules is uh, is MJD, and we named him that. I'm telling you, this is a, this is the place to go if you want a new nickname. This is the place to go. Well, Rich, and, did you so, have any? Uh, did because you have any because then, then Dion will write a song about you, and then of he'll course. sing it all the time. There's, yes. Did you have yes. any nicknames growing up, or, or no? I was Richie, or Richie. I, probably okay. was, I, I was probably called Dick behind my back, but I don't know. <laughs> um, so there you go. I, I like uh, the Duggernaut, right? The Duggernaut, definitely. Okay, the Duggernaut, Martin Scorsese, and what about the Buck Truck? Do you want to get Gus's on? I there? think the Buck Truck is good. Martin McFly? No. No, I reject Martin McFly. It means nothing. What does it mean? What do There's you no, mean? The best nicknames have a subtext to it. Duggernaut. Well, it's like Juggernaut, but he's a Duggernaut. He's going to come and hit you. The cleaner. He's going to clean up after you. The buck truck. He is a big dude. He's going to truck over you, and he's a buck. Right? Yep. What Ma- else? He's going to fly Martin towards Scorsese. the end zone. Martin Scorsese is, is, to me, on the cusp. It's a great play on words, but other than great. that, it's, there's nothing to it. Martin McFly is like, what does that mean? So what, is he back to the future? Is he going to – I mean, if the answer is he hits you with 1.21 gigawatts worth of strength, <laughs> then you might have something here. Great scots. Okay. So those are – that's it, right? Or do, we, or do we or we throw up their muscle hamster, just keep it? I actually like muscle hamster. Dude, it's so that's ridiculous. Because you, that's because you're not being called muscle hamster. Exactly. Yeah. No, yeah. you're right. I agree. Think about it. Put yourself in that kid's shoes. Uh, then I'd be an NFL football player. Especially since you know you know the, the history of it, correct? Right. The history of it is, for those who may not know, he described it this past week. He was dating a girl at Boise State, and she could, just like him, she was a, a, a fitness freak, and apparently she could lift as well he could. And they said, they called her, she was a muscle hamster because she was so small. And then he said, they said, uh, his teammate said, you know what, you're, you're, you're a muscle hamster too. Oh, that's why stuck. he hates the nickname then. And it stuck. And well, here's also why. He's no longer dating that girl. Yeah. She's out of his life. But muscle hamster is stuck. We, we need to help this young man. He needs help. People helping people. You know who we have on um, Fantasy so, Live this week, though, Rich? Who? who? We have Josh Freeman, and we're going to bring up some of the uh, photos sure? of his snake that's named Eisen. Well, on Fantasy I mean, Live. I mean, if you have the photo that he tweeted out, we do. Snake, yeah, the snake is uh, secondary. Maybe Josh Freeman <laughs> has some ideas. For as you know, as you know, he tweeted you know, too. He did tweet uh, too. As you know, as you know from that photograph, the snake can get lost <laughs> in the uh, the scenery. That's all I have to say. Yes. Um, okay, so that's it. What, what, what do we decide on here? What do we decide on? We're gonna throw. We'll throw it up on the poll, and it'll be yep. those four, and uh, people yep. can vote. And uh, we definitely have some stuff to give away. Uh, TBD, what that is, we've got to talk with our guys. Another shipment of shirts in yet? Uh, not yet. 
Not no. yet, but we can. I don't want to. Punisher people too is separate from this. We've got. We don't we have Nas D, CDs just burning a hole and in, in somewhere, isn't it? Don't we have these autographed ones or no? We don't. We, we'll I thought we've given them check. away. I don't know. I thought we somebody, gave them away. Somebody complained on Twitter they haven't gotten theirs yet. Um, okay, so that's that. What are, What are our entries? One more time. Read them off, Chris Law. Uh, we have uh, Martin Scorsese. Yep, Scorsese. Uh, we have the cleaner. We're going to throw back up Duggernaut. M- muscle Hamster. Right. And then we have the Duggernaut. And the Buck Truck. And the buck oh, truck. I'm sorry, the Buck Truck. So we are going to we'll go, go five. five. We'll go yep. five. We'll go, we'll five, go five. I'll be disappointed if Muscle Hamster wins. I'll be disappointed. Swaying the vote, Rich. <laughs> uh, I'm going, uh, I'm voting for the cleaner. I love it. I'm going uh, Martin Scorsese. Okay. And what are you? What are you doing? Are you gonna? Are you? Are you protesting because Martin McFly is not? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, I'm not voting. I'm. Uh, I'm, I'm oh, abstaining. I'm abstaining. No, Exercising his right to abstain. You gotta vote, man. If you knew what. Back All right. To the future. So next week, next week, John Slattery, Bradley Cooper, Chris Tucker, Rayan Wilson, Jim Brockmeyer, Eric Stone Street. That is our Thanksgiving special Friday night. At 10 p.m. Eastern Time on NFL Network, and of course, for those who um, who want to listen to it, we'll all put it on for one. It's one monster show, correct? Yeah, I'm going to put together podcast. one huge podcast. Expect uh, wow, two be... two NFL players on there as well. Pretty marquee well, we'll names. Hope. We're still we'll efforting. Hope. Hopefully, so. hope. we'll hope because everybody we target either winds up with a tired arm or a, uh, <laughs> a hurt shoulder. So. Yeah. Uh, I, we're, 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 we're like the Madden we're like the Madden cover going around calling around to people the oh, last that's couple not, weeks let's not get carried away there <laughs> <laughs> uh, last year Richard do I, I do want to give a shout out to uh, my high school uh, for the international shout out of the week my high school uh, won the Western Maine championship this weekend 20 to 13 to advance to their first class A state championship game since 1988 and I've been friends with the coaches there for a long time the uh, head coach Kevin Kiesel was my JV baseball coach back in 1996, and I'm a very proud alum this weekend. So, hopefully, they can bring home the gold ball in Maine this weekend. So, um, is it either Maine? Either Maine has seceded from the union. Is it part or, of Labrador and or, or, or Newfoundland? That, or, the, or, or that's a or that's a national shout out. That is a week. domestic shout out of the week. Going, then don't call it what it is. Yeah, well, it's like it's under the international umbrella. No, it's not. No, it's not. I, look, this is no, my, this is, this is my thing. If I want to call it international hey, no, and hey, domestic, Brockman, I can do Brockman, it. Brockman, Brockman, Brockman. Did you have to dial ten ten three two one to get there? <laughs> 10, Come on, 10. Brockman, Brockman. One eight hundred call att. Dude, that is under the umbrella of shout outs. That is not under the umbrella of international. I was waiting for you to say, and the coach is from Ireland, nah. so that's the shout out. Or nah. they beat a team, or 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 they're they're called. I'm just giving the shout out to my hometown. Or they're called the Dutchman, and so I'm giving a shout out to Holland. I'm like I'm like waiting for the thing to turn. They're instead, the mascot. Instead, the mascot is the Golden Trojans. So is that? So give out a shout to uh, to the Greeks, to the men of Troy. Our guy uh, Demarcus yeah. Ware is from Troy, right? Uh, yeah. There you yeah. go. Greece. There, you, there go. you go. Full circle. Wow! Full circle. God. All by the way, look, by the way, do, I echo I echo the very same sentiment of wow. All I'm trying to do is give a shout out to my high school, and this gets That's blown fine. up in my That's face. That's fine. The answer is the it's like, hey, Rich, I'm going to give a shout out to my high school if that's okay, or hey, Rich, I'm not even going to say if it's okay. I'm giving a shout out to my high school. Don't say it's the international shout out of the week and try and slip it past the goalie and say that's under the umbrella of international shout out when that has nothing to do. With the entire spirit of the endeavor that you have created and pounded <laughs> into our podcast rundown every week. 
Well, while we're at it, props to State College Area High School. And, okay, uh, great. And Susan <laughs> Wagner High School. <laughs> Everybody, by the way, should go out and donate to the American Red Cross. My hometown of Staten Island still needs it. I My hometown agree. of Staten Island still needs it. So we might as well, if we're giving all of those shouts out. Why out, not, right? I know. Okay. At least this came from the proper place, man. Look, it all, it all came from my heart. Whether whether I screwed up the international shout out or not, no. which I created. You didn't screw anything up, Chris. What you did, what you did was you tried to you tried to just, tried to sneak it. Yeah, let, let's you do don't this. Don't have though. to come in through the front door, Chris. Knock and come on in. Let, let's do this though. We do we do have international listeners that do want the shout out every week. Let's at least give a proper. We give it to Greece. We give it to Greece. Yeah, we gave it, we gave it to the Greece for the men yeah, of the Troy. Greeks, the Greeks are out there. They download. They download and Greece. While we're at it, let's... So, no, no, I had a, yeah, never mind. <laughs> let's get out of Dodge. Yeah, let's get out. Uh, I Go will be Trojans. Coming, I'll be coming to you from uh, Buffalo, New York, Thursday night football, kicking off week 11. I cannot believe Wait, it. Wait, you've never been to Buffalo I have Stadium, not, right? You I have been not. To this, this, completes, uh, this completes my, uh, my, my NFL tour. When I came to NFL Network years ago, I, was, I hadn't visited more than probably a quarter of the league. And I've been every I've been to every stadium now, except for the Ralph. Have I mean, you I, been? I've Chris? never been to, I've to Ralph never Wilson. Been, yeah, no. I used I, to go skiing up in Buffalo a lot okay. at Colorado Valley, but that's it. I had never been to the Metrodome before this year's Thursday night game, Bucks at Vikings for football. I've been there for baseball, and and I saw a Final Four there. Oh, nice. Hubert H. Humphrey. So I, yes, I'd been in a, you know back when it was the Triple H as opposed to the Mall of America. Uh, but w- one place I'd ne- I've never been, that I'll be scratching that off the list. So I'll get all 32. I've been to uh, the Ralph one time, 2007, Patriots at Bills. And that was a win since Ran- they won every game that <laughs> Randy year. Randy Moss had four touchdown catches oh, in the boy. first half. Oh, boy. Seems oh, boy, like a oh, place in early October you'd love to catch a game. Like, oh, boy. It, yeah, not, know, not tailgate with those not folks. Not mid-November. Salt of the earth. All right, boys, that'll wrap it up. Thank you to Jason Whitlock. Thank you to Demarcus Ware. Thank you, uh, Lawn Brockman. Thank you, Stacy Garcia, for uh, as always lending her uh, her prowess and expertise to this podcast. I want to thank you too as well uh, in advance for next week's big uh, extravaganza. Absolutely, on it's going to be fun on Friday night. And thanks to all of you for uh, downloading, listening, participating on the. Uh, the Doug Martin silliness. Go to our blog page, richeisen.nfl.com, to vote. And vote often. Vote as many times as you want. And uh, also, thanks for downloading the Rich Eisen podcast presented by Chevy. Peace out. Stay listening, friends.